Luke chapter 2. Verse 25, it's, it, it's interesting, uh, me and one of our men were talking about this fellow this morning, and it was just interesting to me that he was coming, he was in the, in the hopper for tonight. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, Jesus has just been brought to the temple that he might be dedicated. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. We know very little about Simeon. It doesn't explicitly say that he was a priest. It doesn't explicitly say that he was old, and yet we assume both. And I think that's a a safe assumption. Um, and, And there's reasons I make that assumption, but they're kind of pointless tonight. Verse 26, it was revealed to him him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he then then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared for the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Father, would you help us tonight as we look to your word? May I cover what needs to be covered in the time allotted. Lord, may I do so in the way that most pleases you. And would you help us and encourage us through it. And may Jesus be lifted up. For it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. There's a natural inclination at Christmas to spend a lot of time gazing on the infant in the manger. And so we should. I mentioned this when I preached this back in 2019. Uh, one of our dear ladies in the church gave us a nativity set that is stuffed. And Claire, when she was little, and I won't say anything embarrassing, Claire, but when she was little, she loved playing with that thing. But one thing we could count on, they'd all be sitting there, the camel, the donkey, the shepherds, not wise men, the really well-dressed shepherds, because they weren't there. Um, but every nativity scene has them. And uh, anyway, but, but one, one character would be missing, the baby Jesus. The baby Jesus would never be there because as a little baby, Claire just felt it was needful that the baby Jesus go with her wherever she was, and she would hide the baby Jesus where he'd be safe and, uh, and so forth. And uh, so we'd never know where he was. She would focus on that, and we all do. We all focus on the baby Jesus. And that's fine. But what's interesting in Luke chapter 2 is this guy, Simeon. Simeon's there. They bring Jesus into the temple. And while he sees a baby, he sees so much more. He saw beyond the baby and proceeds to express why that baby had come. 
what that baby would accomplish. And if we're going to get the full effect of Christmas, we've got to learn to look beyond the baby. Enjoy the baby. Put up your nativity scenes. But Christmas is not just about Bethlehem. There's not a better time in all the year to express the gospel to people than is Christmas. I'm all for drive-through nativities and live nativities and things like this. One thing I really appreciate, where we went for our basketball camp, basketball camp, basketball tournament, a Great Hope Baptist Church, they have a live nativity. And I was talking to somebody who has connections with that church, and I was asking them about, you know, how they set things up and that kind of thing. And they have stations that you work through, as is the case with a lot of live nativities. But there's some stations that are included that usually aren't. There's a station about the cross. There's a station about the empty tomb. There's a station about Jesus coming back. You see, their, their, their nativity is not just Luke 2. It's the whole story. Because, listen, if Jesus didn't die and rise again, his birth is frankly inconsequential as far as eternity goes. Ask yourself this question, why did Jesus come? Now, I'm not against any of these things, but he didn't come so we could exchange presents. Oh, I'm okay with exchanging presents. I'm for it. Okay? But that's not why he came. I love... You know, the, the trappings of Christmas, you know, getting in the car and heading out to the Christmas tree farm and, you know, watching my wife pick the perfect tree four different times and, you know, and finally choosing one and cutting that thing down and binding it up and putting it on top of the, the car and strapping it down and, you know, riding down the highway like an American family with a Christmas tree strapped to the top of their car. I love it. And the decorations and the, the lights and the music and all of that. I like it. That's not why Jesus came. The smells, the food. Oh, man, I like the food. That's not why Jesus came. A lot of people give to charity, if not for Christmas' sake, for the end-of-the-year tax credit. Or write-off, rather, which is going away probably. But anyway, that's not why he came either. Why did he come? Can I give you the reasons that he gives why he came? Because who better to tell us why Jesus come, came than Jesus? All right, He came, first of all, because he's the only one suitable. Matthew 5.17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus didn't violate the law. He fulfilled it in every point. He never violated God's righteousness even to the tiniest degree. He's the only one suitable because we've all sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is any time that we fall short of God's standard as revealed in His law. Galatians 2, uh, 2 sorry, 3, verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Jesus lived a life in complete obedience to God's standard that He might be a suitable sacrifice for us. Galatians 4.4, 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, 
made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I don't know of any one verse that more succinctly summarizes the gospel than this. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He came because he's the only one suitable. You know why else he came? He came to separate. Now, this one doesn't get a lot of play in pulpits in America, but it's true. He said in Matthew 5.17, Think not that I am come. But Luke 12.51, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. I tell you, since I became a Christian, I get along with everybody then you didn't do it right. Now, you don't go out of your way to find ways to be disagreeable with people. Paul rightly said, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. But when you stand for Christ, when you live according to the Word of God, I got news for you, friend. There's going to be some division. John 9, 39, Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see, I'm sorry, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Matthew 10 verse 34, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I'm sorry. I don't know why I went to that one first. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. What I'm seeing here is that if I'm living according to the word of God, I'm going to be at variance with some people. I'm never going to enjoy it. I'm never going to seek it, but it's going to happen even within my own family. Don't raise your hands, but many of us could testify. There's people within our own family that we love that we wouldn't let our kids near. Hmm? That we've had to take a stand. Well, why don't you just back off on this? Why don't you just ease up on that? Because the Word of God doesn't allow it. We look beyond the baby, we see why Jesus actually came. In principle, Jesus is separating the real from the fake, the truth from the lie. He's making a clear distinction to his being the only way, truth, and life, and everything else is an imposter. Why did he come? He he, he came because he's the only one suitable. He came that he might separate, and then he came that he might offer salvation. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man is come. To seek and to save that which was lost. He calls us to recognize our sinfulness. John 12, 46, I am come, a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Understand this, friend. If you don't know Christ, you are abiding in darkness. He calls us to repent of our sins. Matthew 9, 13, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He calls us to receive his salvation. Luke 9, verse 56, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then he calls us to rejoice in our situation. John 10, 10, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, when Simeon looked at this baby, he looked past this precious little baby and he saw why he came. And he sings about it in Luke chapter 2. And what do we take from that? Jesus didn't come for Christmas lights and good food and presents. He came because he was the only one suitable. He came that he might separate. He came that he might offer salvation. And if you'll forgive me if this sounds a little bit pedestrian, he came to set up a sequel. He came the first time, intending all along to come back a second time. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I lose my patience with preacher friends that say, Jesus didn't actually ever say anything about the rapture. What do you do with that? What do you do with it when he, when he tells Martha, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. How is that accomplished except through the rapture? He has a lot to say about the rapture because Jesus came that he might set up the sequel. See, we're living in between the two, the two advents. And sometimes it gets discouraging and sometimes it gets distressing. But can I remind you, just as sure as he came the first time, He's coming back the second time, just as sure. And I'll tell you, it's been a good exercise for me when I am in the season of his first advent to spend some time meditating on the, the truth of his second advent. Just as sure as he came, he's coming back. So as we go through Christmas, by all means, enjoy all of it. We try to schedule things, and it's it's so hard to do. We try to schedule things by the middle of the middle of December to get everything done, so that we can just slow down and be with our family. It never works that way, but we try because it's a wonderful thing, wonderful season. And look at your nativities, enjoy them, thank the Lord for the baby Jesus. But as you look at him, look beyond him. Look beyond the baby. About 33 years hence, where he showed that he was the only one suitable. Where he separated, offered salvation, and he's coming back. May God help us to look beyond the baby. Lord, thank you for our time in your word.